Brighter Media Group original. Welcome to The Versed Podcast, a daily pursuit to become more perceptive to what the Bible says. My name is John. So glad you are here. Today we are reading Luke chapter 20. So every day we have been reading, studying, and reflecting on a chapter of the Gospel of Luke here in December. 24 days leading up to Christmas, 24 chapters in Luke. And so we're going to enter the celebration of the birth of Jesus with this full context of his life and ministry. And my hope and prayer for each of us is that we fully experience a closeness to Jesus like we never have before. So if you are able, pull out your Bible. We are reading Luke 20. And Luke 20 is where Jesus teaches us what bad religious leaders look like as his authority is in question. And he also shows us what life is like after the resurrection. Powerful chapter today. Excited to dive into it. I believe it's vital before we read the Bible to understand its historical context it's biblical context, it's cultural context. So because we're looking at one book of the Bible and a different chapter every day, uh, it's a bit redundant to keep going through that. I did those in the earlier episodes, if you've been following along with the Luke podcast, so I encourage you uh, to check that out. As most of you know, we typically read, study, and reflect on one verse or a group of verses, and because we're doing whole chapters in a day, in the interest of fulfilling my promise to keeping these podcasts between 10 and 15 minutes, we're not going to read the entire chapter together, but I will share a few key verses in our reflections, and I encourage you to read the full chapter on your own. It probably would be best if you just hit pause and did that now, um, but I do encourage you to do that if you are able. So let's do that now, and then we will move on into our reflection. It's no question Jesus had his uh, run-ins with bad religious leaders, right? As we've been reading through the Gospel of Luke, we've seen that some of his most serious confrontations, confrontations with sin in particular, were with religious leaders, respectable ones in fact. And in the end, it was these religious leaders who were conspiring together to have Jesus killed. It's important today just like then, to be able to differentiate between good and bad religious leaders and not throw the baby out with the bathwater. In this instance, why would religious leaders conspire to kill an innocent man who had healed people, fed them, freed them, and was teaching the truth in love and with integrity? So in today's passage, in this beginning section of Luke 20, we can see some characteristics of the bad religious leaders from Scripture. Three different ways here. One is that they care more about political power or money than about truth. In verse 2, uh, the religious leaders tried to get Jesus to tell them by what authority he did what he did. They wanted to know who gave him his power and authority, and Jesus responded by asking them about John the Baptist, whether his baptism came from heaven or not. That was in verse 3. They refused to answer, not because they didn't have an opinion, but because they feared the crowds. Verse 6. Men who respect only power and not truth act out of manipulation and calculation and without sincerity. 
Another characteristic of bad religious leaders, they feel an undue sense of ownership over their religious organization. They believe that the church is their church, that the flock is their flock. And this was the problem with the tenants of the vineyard in Jesus's parable, verses 9 to 17. They thought the vineyard was theirs to claim for themselves and had forgotten that they were just caretakers accountable to the master. And this last characteristic of a bad religious leader or leaders is that they pretend to be sincere, but it's out of manipulation, right? After Jesus told the parable of the vineyard tenants against the religious leaders, they began trying to manipulate him into making a mistake and losing the favor of the people. They made a pretense of sincerity, but it was just a mask covering their true intentions. So how can we tell if a religious leader has these qualities or not? We got to pay attention. We have to watch. We have to see what they do and why they do it. See what they really value and why they value it. People like politicians and preachers are people that are trained with words, right? So their actions matter more than the things that they say. All kinds of people care about political power. An undue sense of ownership. Everyone's capable of manipulation. There are many people who are politically motivated and entitled and insincere, dangerous, but religious leaders seem to be especially so. And why do we think that is? What makes them so dangerous? Well, it's one thing to be political. It's one thing to be manipulative with business dealings, political agendas, or things that you sell. But it's much more serious, it's much more wicked to treat spiritual matters that way. Playing fast and loose with legislation to take advantage of people is bad, sure. But to do that with the word of God in order to win favor of the people to enrich yourself? That's evil beyond what politicians and bad salespeople can do. That is why crooked religious leaders are so dangerous. They are taking the most precious truths and using it to advance themselves. There's no fear of God in their hearts, and they're capable of doing almost anything to get their way, even if that means crucifying the Son of God. But not all religious leaders are bad. Jesus was a religious leader. And what did he do? He laid down his life in love for his followers, for all of us. He appointed his apostles and sent them out into the world. Apostles who were sincere, dedicated, and loving. Apostles who gave up their possessions and their positions and their status in order to spread the truth and in order to bless others. So perhaps the best test of religious leaders is this. Do they resemble Jesus and his apostles? Or do they resemble the Pharisees? Verse 17. The stone that the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone. Are we willing to share in his rejection that we might align to his foundation? Part 2 of Luke 20 includes a question that I think uh, we all ask ourselves. What is heaven like? 
<laughs> we all want to know, what is life like after we die? Probably a more generalized, better question we ask. The truth is, and this may be disappointing to you, but the Bible doesn't tell us much. At least as much as we'd like to know about these kinds of questions. And even though it's frustrating, what I have found is that the Bible tells us what we are to believe about God and what God requires of us. Um, what the Bible doesn't do is tell us everything. In other words, the Bible gives us everything we need to know to live a life of faith and obedience. That makes a lot of people discontent, but here is what the Bible says about when Jesus returns. Four things here coming from the scripture. When believers die, they are immediately ushered into the presence of God, even though their body remains dead here on earth, which is affirmed by Jesus in verse uh, 43 of Luke 23. When he told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. This was also affirmed by Paul in 2 Corinthians, who taught that to the absent from the body, or to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. Number two, when Jesus returns, the dead will be raised, which means their bodies will be resurrected. The believers will enter into everlasting life in body and in soul with God in the new heavens and the new earth, and the unbelievers will also receive resurrection bodies, but they will be sent away from the presence of God um, into everlasting judgment. Two more here. Jesus says that we will neither marry nor be given in marriage at the resurrection in the new heavens and the new earth. We will have bodies, eternal spiritual bodies. Our bodies will never age, get sick, grow tired, or wear out in any way. And the best picture we have of this is Jesus after his resurrection. Jesus was able to eat food, to be embraced, but he could also pass through walls and quickly travel from one place to another. Jesus remains in his resurrection body over 2,000 years later um, and is not growing old. Lastly here, and most importantly, for the believer, after the resurrection, you will be completely free from sin. We'll have no desire to sin, no desire. And we will be with God forever for the believer. The very definition of eternal paradise is that we will be with Jesus and we will be completely free from sin forever. So the Bible may not tell us everything, but it surely tells us enough to long for that day. Let's take our minute to reflect on that scripture, to reflect on what was revealed, to pray with God, to be intentional with your time with him. We'll do that for about a minute and come back on the other side.
Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the Verse podcast. I do not take that for granted whatsoever. And uh, my prayer is that you are experiencing hope and encouragement through the power of God's word through the Bible and that you're becoming more perceptive to it and that it is giving you these emotional guts and fortitude to just keep moving forward. And that's the key there. If you want more resources to study deeper into the scripture, I've got those linked for you in the episode notes. They are the same resources that I use to build these podcasts and to study the Bible. I also have a link to my social media in the notes. And if you want to connect and reach out, if you want me to dive into a a verse in a future episode, once we're done with Luke, I can do that and uh, answer any questions that you have. One last thing I'll ask you, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and a review on the podcast, that helps more people discover it, but also helps people that do come across it, what they can expect from the podcast. I would appreciate that so much. So thank you in advance for that. Make hope louder today, my friends. We'll talk tomorrow.